Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. My next guest proved that if you believe in yourself and take a chance, dreams really can come true. An award-winning filmmaker, animator, and creative director, Amit Tischler has worked in some of the biggest shows for Cartoon Network, HBO, and Nickelodeon, before risking it all to launch a new startup that would flip the entertainment industry on its head. This is Motivational Mondays. I'm your host, Max Erzak, and joining us is Amit Tischler. Amit, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Max. Glad to be here. You followed your passion and actually moved all the way from Israel to LA to pursue your dreams. How did you know that this was the right path and it was the right time to pull the trigger? Those are both very interesting questions. I think in terms of knowing the path is I knew what one of my biggest end goals was, which was to be able to actually get, I came from traditional animation and I was always interested in the idea of IP development. This extended into IP development in games and technology as well, but originally started from animation, TV shows. And really the only way that you can get something like that to happen is by being on the ground here in Los Angeles. So I knew that that was going to be the place I have to be to achieve that dream. So great, location was set. In terms of timing, I started exploring what it would take to be able to make that kind of move from both an immigration and a financial point of view and even like qualifications, how much experience do I need while I was already an undergrad. And I sought out from my teachers and from people who had that experience. I basically surveyed a lot of people on how do I do this? Where do I even start? What are the things to watch out for? And I heavily relied on people's kindness, honestly, people's willingness to share their experience and their knowledge in terms of doing this. And some people wouldn't cooperate because they were very much like, oh, no, our artists have to stay here. But the people who were willing to share were hugely helpful. I moved in after I felt like I checked off all the basic boxes, which is I've graduated, I've made a few independent creations that have gotten some awards and acknowledgement, and I've had a few TV credits. I had just enough experience to go, okay, I'm ready to take the next step. I'm always interested in the why behind the challenges people take on. What made you say, I want to do a startup and take this risk? Ooh, that is a good one. I saw a problem. It's such a cliche, but I think I saw a problem that I viewed as a fan, right? As a consumer, which is a good place to start. So I'm a big fan of animation and I'm a big fan of entertainment, both video games and television. One of the things that have always bothered me, both as a child and now as an adult, I can articulate it better, is the fact that Creative IPs, if we go back to that, felt very fragmented across different platforms. What do I mean by that? When you watch a TV show and then you play a video game that's based on the TV show for many years, now this is only starting to change, but for many years, these two 
things felt like different products. Okay, the TV show does its own thing, and then the game is this alternative universe of it. It does a different take, so it doesn't feel like they live in the same world. They're just based on the same thing. Now, you know, as an adult, you're like, oh, okay, it was a licensed game. It's like, I understand the relationships, who owns what. But as a kid, you don't really care, right? You want to be immersed in it. You want to feel like no matter where you go and see, let's say, Spider-Man, it's the same Spider-Man. It's not this person's version of Spider-Man or this person's version of Spider-Man. Now, all the legal reasons aside for why things ended up the way that they are with how these IPs were parsed, part of it is that they're was never a tool, a literal tool that allows you to maintain or contain the IP in a, let's say, narratively cohesive fashion across all platforms. And that's what led to that creation. It's how do we create technology or use technology as an instrument to allow the people who own the IP, the storytellers, the brand owners, to keep their IP consistent across all platforms and be able to iterate on it over time, which is a tall order. And we decided to take video game logic as the way to do it. Not just because video game logic or the language of video games became more widespread. It's because it is exactly in that intersection between, let's say, the colder version of technology or the coldest side of technology and creative IP. They kind of do both and they convey messages through interactivity. So that's what led to eventually us creating this startup called PopBase. It's how do we create this vision? How do we create technology that keeps a cohesive IP across all platforms and respects all aspects of it and gives the creative control to a single entity that can make sure that entire vision stays consistent? When people think of entrepreneurship, they often think of the success stories like Facebook right, which started in a dorm room and was worth billions seemingly overnight. But in reality, most startups fail. And those that do make it need to get really good at dealing with rejection along the way. Talk to me about those low moments in your startup's journey and how you handled rejection. Oh, yeah. I think this is a topic that people should talk a lot more openly about. I think that the startup culture has a very poisonous attitude towards failure. They like to talk about failure being a thing that is celebrated and widely accepted, but they're also afraid to talk about it because a lot of investors treat that as a stain. They're very much like reliant on other people's decisions to validate their own. There's not a lot of confidence in their decision-making. And that creates this culture where startups or startup owners are very they're struggling to discuss the fact that they are struggling, right? Or reach out for help. And I think that's not good. As far as the question of like the lowest moments, fundraising is really hard. It is a challenge. That, that's something that everybody knows. But I feel like the thing that people don't talk about is just how emotionally tasking it is. And there isn't a lot of support within the community for things like that because everybody, there's a lot of self-preservation. It's a very capitalistic way of thinking. What I always tell people, and this is something that I've also learned from being able to pitch TV shows to TV executives, you have to be kind with your network, right? And you have to not, like 
you have to, to develop a certain level of trust and just be able to allow other people to parse for themselves as opposed to gatekeeping, which is a, especially in a community that really does require supporting each other and helping spread the word. Gatekeeping is the worst thing you could do, especially when there is also a lot of like financial disparity between different kinds of entrepreneurs. They need to stick to each other. They need to listen to each other and they need to be honest about their experiences. I think fundraising is difficult because you get rejections for such a wide variety of reasons. But unlike pitching in television, tech investors tend to be a little bit more cowardly, right, and sheepish. TV executives are not as afraid to tell you, you know, you'll show them a property and they'll go, oh, this seems like a really cute show, but hey, mandate from the network, they are looking for X, Y, and Z, and we're just not interested. In two weeks, that's it, you're done. An investor is going to be afraid of the fear of missing out a lot more. And there's a lot more of them, so they'll be afraid to give people the no. And that is something that really messes people up because they feel like they're constantly getting gaslit, right? Because no one person has the confidence to just like say yes. Or when they do, it's such a rarity. And the journey there is incredibly, incredibly difficult. And that's what makes that version of rejection a lot harder because it's actually very rare for you to get a prompt, timely rejection from people. And you're trying to gain momentum because, again, unlike pitching a TV show, that level of momentum really relies on all the investors that you talk to because they really try to spread the risk as much as possible. So it's like, oh, the other person invested? Fine, I'll jump in. That's not a very confident (laughs) culture of how to do things, but I think it puts a lot of entrepreneurs in really difficult limbo and it affects their mental health. Like I've seen that very, very often. You have to have a very thick skin And you also have to, and this is going to be pretty controversial, when people say it's not personal, it is. It absolutely is. And I think this is something that also is not very widely acknowledged. Yes, I mean, you're dealing with people. They make exceptions for people they know and like. And they also, if they don't know you and don't like you, sometimes they will let their biases take over. And they will invest in the exact same thing, but this one came from their friend, even if he's less qualified. That's okay. But the dishonesty of saying, like, it's not personal, it is. And that's why I think a a certain level of having a thick skin and getting ready for that is really important. Because you can take it personally, but still not react to that. And still be the adult in the room and not let that completely devastate you. Because you know what? If you went through life and Everybody you've ever known always liked you. My personal take is you've been doing something wrong. (laughs) Like you don't have enough of a spine probably, right? Uh, Because in the end, we are individuals with different opinions, with different thoughts. We're not all meant to be on the same page at all times. So have a little bit of confidence in yourself. Have a thick skin, Even when it's personal, don't let that shoot you down. There will be others. You're also totally right. The mentality of success at all costs, it is toxic. And in the long run, that's what creates bubbles, right? We've seen that with banks when it came down to, you know, in 2008 with the housing crash. We're seeing it with a lot of things these days. When people are driven by success, no matter what, it usually ends up crashing. And people also just end up focusing on the wrong things. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And 
I think it's also, there's a certain tone deafness. There's a risk there, right? Being driven by, hey, I want to be successful, you have to first define what is success for you, right? Is success, hey, I want to have a yacht and, and you know, a gigantic exit because I want to be a NASDAQ? Okay, that's one way. Do I want to build a team? Do I want to build a product that's going to change the industry that I'm really passionate about forever? And I'm not going to have that big end story. But you know what? I'm going to do what I love. Is that success? Is that good enough for you? You have to define that for yourself. The other thing is you also cannot be tone deaf to other people's needs because we should all be equal, but we don't have equal opportunities. There are financial disparities. You know, some people have a safety net and some people do not. I always tell people, like, careful when you mix your own Kool-Aid, which is a thing you kind of have to do when you sell something, but you might have dropped a little bit of cocaine in it, right? It's, it's great to sell hype, but you cannot be tone deaf when you give other people advice because the first question that every entrepreneur and that every person has to always ask when they have to decide whether to take a risk or not is, does this person have a safety net? And this is not just money right? It's literally, if you lose everything, is there a roof to hide under if all is lost? Do you have parents to go back to? Some people play the entrepreneur game going like, well, I'm just, I'm not going to have anything and I'm going to live like in a little studio apartment with nothing but, you know, like socks with holes. But then you realize, yeah, but when it all comes down, you just call your dad and he gives you money, you'll be fine. And some people don't have that. That is really important. That is the reality and I feel like it's irresponsible to put that kind of pressure on people going, well, I guess I'm a failure because I'm not willing to give up my entire life and be thrown to the street just so I can do this thing, right? Which I don't think is the smart thing to do. I do believe people need to follow their passions. I'm the last person who can lecture anybody about like, hey, don't take risks and don't follow your passions. But I also don't feel like it's fair to do it without context, if you talk to a person, like to, let's say, a single mom that has a brilliant idea, but she has two kids and she has nobody to help back her up, is it okay for her to just, no, I'm going to give everything and risk uh, being thrown to the streets and my kids taken away just because I really want to do this startup? No, <laughs> absolutely not. That is not the right thing to do. That is not the moral thing to do. It's not the healthy thing to do, even if the reward is possibly huge. And I think that's also something that's really important that people don't talk about enough in this culture. A lot of college students put enormous pressure on themselves when it comes to choosing the right major. But so many of my guests have shown that in the end, the major they chose rarely determined what they actually ended up doing in life. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I can certainly say from my perspective that I think my degree or what I chose to study definitely served what I do today because the way I thought about like even tools and technology or the way that I thought about video games or how I got into creative IP development, like, you know, developing the next Spider-Man, developing the next He-Man, whatever, all of that came from that baseline knowledge because I already had a passion. I wanted to study animation and I took that forward. But that's very, very specific. I can tell you that my wife, who is a veteran video game artist, right? She's a technical artist. She studied English Lit. So what's the connection there between English Lit and then working in Activision? The truth is you never know where your career is going to take you and you should always be open about it. And you should think about the skills that you've learned no matter what the profession is and how can you use 
what you've learned during that experience that you can take with you to any opportunity that comes your way that you find appealing. Because sometimes, yeah, somebody will just tell you like, hey, we have this opportunity. You're like, well, not really my thing, but I think I know what I want to do with this, right? I have my own ideas and I think I can contribute. Your profession shouldn't be, or your original, the, the thing that you've studied, that shouldn't be restricting you to this is all I am from now and forever. Always be open to opportunities because you never know how your career is going to evolve and how these things are eventually going to affect that career down the line because the tools that you learn right now can have applications that you cannot even conceive of right now. One of your philosophies that I absolutely love is that life is all about building your team. Can you tell our listeners what you mean by this? Yeah. Look, your advocates, the people who will vouch for you, the people who will give you guidance, will give you advice, and even the people who would just listen, these are the people that have the potential of building your future alongside you and support you in, in wherever you want to go. When I first moved to LA, I knew no one. Like I came here from a different country. Maybe there was one remote connection through the family, but I had no friends here. And every person that I met that I got along with and became friends with, I like to think of friends as people that you don't just hang out with, but people that you can always ask for assistance. Building a network of people that is both professional and friendly is good. Being able to separate those two things, also okay. But keep your network warm because you never know 10 years from now where people will be, right? Friends that you met when they were in the beginning, in the nugget, when they just started their careers and they were nobodies, 10 years from now, they can be the exact person that you need to get whatever, a deal signed, right? They can be your advocate. They can get you in. So first of all, developing relationships where you're not afraid to ask for that kind of help. Because a lot of people are like, ah, you know, this person is really busy, so I don't want to bug him, but I really need this thing. Well, you should have that kind of relationship with at least some people. You can say, no, I will do this because I know that this person knows that I would do the same for him. And I think that's a good place to start. Knowing, like asking yourself, if they were to ask me the same thing, would I agree? If the answer is yes, why would you assume that they wouldn't, right? In the end, the network is what will always support you. It's what's going to get you the info you need because you never know where you're going to end, even if you have a very clear vision. That's not how life works. 10 years from now, you might be on a completely different path and you might be happy with it. But it's the people that you keep in touch with that are always going to be there to help you with the next pivot, to help you with the next idea, to help you, even if you're just, you're running a business and you have a question you never thought you would ever have to face. And you're like, wait, I actually remember one person I went to college with that we used to hang out really, really often. And that's what he does today. Oh my God, I'm just going to call him and get the answer. It's helpful. So keep your network warm. Um, don't be insular because in the end, these people are what's going to build your future and vice versa. For a lot of college students, just the thought of networking feels like a chore. What's your approach when it comes to networking and is there a better way of doing it? It's difficult because it is partially a chore. I think that there has to be a certain mental switch. A lot of people come at it from an attitude of, I have to become friends with this person in order to develop a business relationship with. And 
I don't think that's true. I think a lot of people respect, especially in a business setting, there's something very, let's say, that feels a little manipulative when somebody's trying to schmooze up to you, right? And going like, hey, man, oh, you like this too? Like, okay, you're trying to create a connection, but you're trying to, sometimes it becomes very clear, okay, you're trying to befriend me because you want something for me. That does not feel good. So I feel like a lot of people in a business setting would respect just directness. Now, I'm an Israeli, so I'm predisposed to being very, very direct. I'm aware of that. But I feel like there is a certain level of respect in that that is given in an interaction. If I am in a networking event, I would prefer, usually for myself, to go to a person and tell them exactly what I want from them. I start with that. If a friendship comes out of it, well, that's great. That means it just happened organically. But I feel like the problem is the reverse. When you try to befriend someone because you want something from them, as opposed to, you know what, if somebody comes to me and goes like, hey, I want to sell you something and it's something that's interesting to me, I'm like, go right ahead. That's it. That's all I need from you. So even coming in and going to an investor, we're looking for funding, right? And we have an awesome idea. Are you willing to listen? To me, that is a much better approach than trying to become friends with them first in a very forced way. And it also makes it less of a chore. Because now you think about it like less of a mental chore because it becomes an all out, like just a flat chore. <laughs> and I think that's the, the conflict, right? People are like, I have to befriend people that I don't want to be friends with. That feels really bad. But if you're like, I have to take out the garbage, you're like, yeah, that's all right. I'll take out the garbage. That's fine. It's a checkbox now. And if you take out the garbage and meet someone cool along the way, ah, nice added plus. And finally, what's the number one piece of actionable advice that our listeners can apply to their lives starting today? Be bold, be ambitious, be motivated, work hard, but don't wear yourself out. Know when to press pause, know when to rest, know when to reward yourself because you're not useful to yourself or to anyone around you unless you still have the energy and the faith to do what you're doing. Your mental health is important. So please keep that intact. Congratulations again. I'm truly happy for the success you and your team have reached. Very cool product, very well deserved. And a huge thank you for sharing some of those key lessons that you learned along the way. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a absolute pleasure. And thank you to all of our loyal listeners who come back week after week. We'll see you all back here again next time on Motivational Mondays.